1: Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at WinBet. I am your host John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. It is November fourth. We are into Week Nine of the NFL season. We got a, a loaded slate to get to, so we're just going to go ahead and dive right in with this Thursday night matchup, Mario. So I mean, what one of the one of the big stunners from from last week? Something that that <laughs> cost me big in Survivor was, was the Jets at the Mike White led New York Jets going ahead and defeating the, you know, the the Darlings going into the week, the Cincinnati Bengals, who were 10-point uh, favorites in that one. Jets go ahead and pull the upset. Mike White catches a touchdown. It's a whole thing. And uh, now they go into Indianapolis, short week. Indianapolis minus 10 in this one. I, I think I know the answer here before I even ask it, but... How much of a, of a flash in the pan What was the Jets' performance last week and what can we kind of expect from them uh, on a short week going on the road here to face Indianapolis?
2: Well, it's cool that Mike White had the game that he did and uh, good for him, et cetera, but it seemed very fluky and especially the part of Michael Carter and Ty Johnson combining for like 150 receiving yards. Like Ty Johnson normally, like I don't know if he had 70 yards receiving all year coming into that game. So the, the Bengals clearly had some kind of just busted defensive approach and uh, there was a there's basic stuff they weren't accounting for or weren't executing, I don't know. and uh, the, the Jets kind of kept going back to it. The Bengals never got on track. So I'd give the credit to the, to the Bengals defense more than the, the Jets offense, but um, yeah and for it, background info. Mike White wasn't he kind of like three fourths of a Brandon Doty, uh, like the next guy at Western Kentucky, and before that he was just completely non-viable at South Florida. Like he had a, it was like a down to the wire competition with three or two or three other Western Kentucky guys, and he barely eked it out. And then he kind of just coasted on the the nature of the scheme that they had. So, I mean, he he's clearly gutsy and stuff, but uh, not much reason to think he'll do well the longer he's exposed to NFL defenses. Right. So, so, you know,
1: therein lies the, the question for, for tonight. You know, how, how do we think that the, the sort of waiver wire darlings from this week are, are guys that that feel like the they're going to start to pop, start to have those big second halves, whether it's Elijah Moore or um, a Michael Carter. Can we expect them to, to fare reasonably well this week and, and moving forward? Or, or is, you know, last week just kind of like a mirage?
2: So... Michael Carter's good, I think, and he obviously did a, a really good job in that game. But, again, the Ty Johnson part is what makes me think, like, oh, that was that's basically never happening again. However, Carter, unlike Ty Johnson, has um, other reasons to think that he's good. Like, there was a reason to think before that game that that Michael Carter was good, uh, Ty Johnson less so. So, um, I think what it does is it takes Michael Carter from kind of that, uh, do I start him in the flex Kind of category. To I'm always starting I'm in the flex now category. Got it. Yeah,
1: I, I think that checks out. And then when it comes to Elijah Moore, it seems like he might be coming on. But you know that there are some other you know pass catchers in that in that Jets offense that, that could you know kind of take some targets off his table.
2: Yeah. So uh, as far as this game goes, I don't I don't really know what to expect for the the Colts approach. I don't really know what what to expect from White. I guess especially. But Jamison Crowder is always going to draw targets at a certain per snap rate. That's just always going to be there. He's always going to catch it at a certain rate. He's pretty constant. Uh, I guess Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims are going to fight for the scraps and uh, with with Elijah Moore rather. And uh, yeah, I think Moore, we have reason to believe is pulling away as far as that goes because, you know, he was really, really good player in college, really good workout numbers before the draft, was reportedly doing really well in training camp. And then, you know, came into the regular season with a lot of hype, basically fell on his face, uh, probably had the yips, probably was disoriented. And then a game like last week can mark kind of just the breaking out of that that you would expect of a guy with with his sort of pedigree and background of production and athleticism. So we had reason to expect games like that all along with elite Elijah Moore and uh, no guarantee that he's arrived, but at the, very late, at the very least, like this catch rate of 47%. It's like, you know, that's not going to last, you know, that's going to go up. So if he keeps drawing usage, like he has numbers like last week are, are totally reasonable to expect.
1: Okay. Yeah. That, that's good. That's good intel when it comes to him. And, and yeah, the, the early season struggles, he seems to be putting them behind him. And, and yeah, I think people had good reason to be in on him uh, during draft season and, and during, you know, fantasy football draft season as well. Um, on the Indianapolis side, you know, things seem to be clicking. You know, Carson Wentz, I think, is a guy that you can start fairly comfortably these days, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, not as I'm not saying it pains me to say it, but, man, I, you know, I was I was way out on on Carson Wentz uh, going into this year and in, in the Indianapolis experiment. Uh, he still has those ridiculous mistakes that, that he's, uh, you know, uh, able to make. Seemingly every single week, but he's also putting up production. And then obviously Michael Pittman is doing well. How do you expect that this Indianapolis offense to perform against a Jets defense that, that really hasn't gelled all that well?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't think Wentz is playing very well. I think he's pretty dependent on penalties. And uh, when he does make ambitious throws, he becomes turnover prone. So most of the time he just doesn't really try to take risks. Or if he does take a risk, it's in the, it's in the form of throwing it up as high as he can at Michael Pittman when Michael Pittman's on, uh, you know, someone smaller than him, which makes sense. That's a, that's a smart move, but it's, um, I think yeah, it you speaks. Tweeted that you tweeted that yourself.
1: That the way to go these days is to just uh, get the safeties to creep up and then go deep. Oh, the well, what
2: I was saying is particularly with uh, the, the global climate collapsing and the increase of typhoon games uh, you're going to want to see the wishbone offense. And by, I don't know, 2023 at the latest, because that way, you, you know, you only throw it like 15 times a game. You run it with the three different running backs, uh, like all the analytics guys want us to. And that'll that'll be like a way to not be affected by the weather. And then when the safeties, you know, when we replace all safeties with just more linebackers in response to the wishbone, then you go deep. throw uh, the ball every time. Get that interference. Uh, look, look Look real good like the Colts do. Uh, anyway, the, the Colts should run it more with Taylor. They don't have a wishbone. They just do the the stupid throws and the the defensive pass interference. And to be fair, they are thinned out. I mean, T. Y. Hilton not 100. Paris Campbell not out there. Zach Pascal probably shouldn't be your second best receiver. It, it makes sense to force it to Pittman when that uh, you know a beat up Hilton is is your second best option. But um, they were not actually very efficient in that game. And like even the touchdowns, it's kind of just. They were probably gonna score anyway, and the usage wasn't especially significant. It only spoke to their intention of using Pittman. And that is definitely gonna remain the case here. He's gonna to have to keep getting a lot of targets. Um against the Jets, I would guess uh Bryce Hall is probably the toughest matchup. Like he's he's probably like six one, two ten, something like that. But the other two corners, Brandon Eccles, he's like 5'11, 175. The slot guys, Michael Carter, the other Michael Carter and uh Javelin Guidry or however you say it, they're like five nine. So Pittman has a good matchup here and I don't know of a way the Colts can run right now without trying to get him more targets.
1: Right. Yeah. The, he's just kind of the, the only show in town. So I don't, I don't know as far as Thursday games go, especially when there, there's no baseball anymore, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be tuning in the, the full time. And I think it <laughs> could be treated to a somewhat enjoyable game, even with the, the Jets caveat baked in. All right, let's jump on over to Sunday. Uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this one. We got Bills going down to Jacksonville to face the Jags. Jags find new ways to bottom out seemingly every week. You know, they, they I think they were only like four point dogs or something, or maybe, yeah. maybe it was closer to six last week against Seattle, but they had a nice little no-show completely. And now they get, you know, what what I still believe to be the, the best team in the AFC coming in to town. So I, I think that this is, rightfully one of the more inflated lines of the week with, with the bills checking in as 14 and a half point favorites. And I, I like the bills in this one. I, I, you know, I think there's good reason to think that, you know, Josh Allen can be QB one this week for, for fantasy and Stefan uh near the top of his position at, at receiver. There's just not a whole lot that, that I think the Jags can do to, to really slow the bills here. Right.
2: There's nothing they can do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I would a little bit, be concerned about the bills kind of having such an easy day off that Josh Allen doesn't need to do a whole lot, but you have to start him in season long just because if he does play, I don't know, two quarters, he'll probably have like 25 fantasy points. So uh, yeah, Jacksonville's a mess. They're not a real team. Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with them. Um, more things probably than even we, you know, can see from the outside and it's plenty obvious from the outside. Yeah, it, it's, a total disaster. It's it's
1: it's really tough. I guess uh, touching on on the the Jacksonville side for, from a fantasy perspective here. Obviously, it's a tough matchup. But you know, what what do you do if you have a James Robinson going into this week?
2: Um, I think I'd start James Robinson most of the time. Just just because you know you probably don't have a better alternative that, that came up. I guess if you have like Elijah Mitchell or somebody like that, you might um, prefer them. But generally. I think James Robinson, just by being a starter, even if he's on a heavy underdog, um, has at the very least flex value. And I, I don't know. Uh, I guess we got to watch out for the heel, though. Is that like totally You're right? Clear? Yeah. Well, that that's kind of like the
1: the crux of the matter. Because oh, okay. He, he, didn't, he didn't practice Wednesday. You well, I wouldn't around. have
2: faulted someone of uh, like thinking like, oh, I don't I don't even want any Jigs, Not even James Robinson. Uh, it's such a bad uh, setup for them. But yeah, with the heel, if if that's like affecting him at all, I, I think try to find something else. No big deal if you can't, but if he's in and he's only a limited practice on Friday, that's a lot different than, uh, you know, two practices at least.
1: Right. Exactly. So, so keep an eye on the injury report for James Robinson, but that's really the, the only guy from this offense that you're really trusting right now from a fantasy point of view. Let's get on over. We got Texans, Dolphins down in Miami, Dolphins, six and a half point favorites in this one two teams that are, that are it's hard to know what to make of them on, on a given week. Davis Mills obviously had had the good fantasy game uh, recently, but even still uh, I think it's going to be Tyrod Taylor taking back over for, for Houston. So that, that I think gives them a, a, a puncher's chance in this one. And I, I don't really think that the dolphins can be trusted with, with uh, laying almost a touchdown really. Right.
2: Um, I, I guess you could imagine I don't know the Dolphins' offense doing well. Like maybe, maybe with Devonte Parker back, uh, there's there's a huge difference with that and Waddle on the field at the same time. Like maybe with a uh, Gasicki and Waddle, they're not quite as explosive. But Parker, I don't know. He's been he's been injured a lot and therefore really inconsistent. But he's been very productive whenever he has played. So he's he's a big difference maker when he's out there. Maybe the maybe they between guys like Parker, Waddle, Gasicki, uh, whoever. Maybe they have enough talent to kind of just do well against the Texans defense, even though they're not good as a team. And you know, the, the dueling offensive coordinators thing in Miami is just insane. They're, they're just so ridiculous as a team. So you're right. seven points, I don't want to bet that either, but, um, maybe if they cover, that's what has, maybe that's the reason. It's just like the receivers kind of just carry them against a, you know, backup caliber defense with Houston. I can imagine the Houston offense having a pretty rough go of it, uh, I don't know. I I almost wonder if they're going to use David Johnson more this week and they didn't use him last week because of the trade line uh, trade deadline and maybe like with the trade deadline gone and him not moved their interest reverts back to making him look good so that in the offseason he signs with the team and gives them a decent comp pick cuz uh, it doesn't really make any sense to use him like they did last week uh tr- trying to like make him look like crap uh, behind Scotty Phillips of all p- like what are you <laughs> Scotty Phillips what are we doing here um, mm-hmm. so anyway, I shouldn't assume anything, especially anything generous with them, but, uh, if they aren't some of the dumbest people in the world, they would get David Johnson going or try to. Yeah, I
1: totally agree there. Is, is there any other, you know, fantasy value to be, to be mined from, from
2: this Houston offense, or is it just a, a stay away even from like punt plays and DFS? I don't want to rule out a guy like Brandon cooks just because he's as good as he is, but there's nothing obviously good there, uh, for Houston. Yeah, it's it's tough scene down
1: there. They're they're lucky that Jacksonville exists. All right, um, <laughs> all right moving on. Uh, we got Falcons going to New Orleans to face off against the Saints. Uh, the Saints are, are one of the tougher teams to read right now, ba- based on you know the the quarterback situation. Obviously, with Jameis Winston going down, and then we we get the news down the pipeline. I believe it was yesterday uh, that Michael Thomas would not be playing this season. So uh nuts to me for all my 11th round Michael Thomas shares out there. Uh too bad on, on that one, but um how do how do we think that the Saints kind of move forward from here? Obviously, it was an emotional win last week over over their division rival Bucks, they got another division rival coming in, but this is this is a lot to kind of recalibrate if you're the Saints.
2: Yeah. Um I don't know what they can do other than just give the ball to Alvin Kamara as much as they can and uh If it doesn't work, I don't know what else. I I know they got Callaway and they got a couple other guys pitching in here and there, but basically you cannot count on throwing the ball against any NFL defense with Trevor Simeon as a quarterback. So it, you know, it's, it it could be fine. I'm sure Sean Payton, or I I would, I'm willing to believe anyway that Sean Payton will have a reasonably clever game plan to adjust for the circumstances. But uh, yeah, Kamara's the only real threat, I guess, in Callaway. Right.
1: Because, you know, in my opinion, the Saints don't have anyone to kind of elevate the quarterback play uh, like other than other than using Kamara and that that eventually has diminishing returns if you have to target your running back, you know, 14, 15 times in a game. It's just teams are going to start to figure it out, even yeah. Falcons. So, um yeah, it, it's going to be an ugly offense. I think there's there's a pretty good reason why why the over under in this game just sits at 41 and a half, one of the lower ones of the entire week and with good reason there. And then on, on the Falcons' side, we've, we've, we've seen what the Falcons look like w- without Calvin Ridley, but now we, we kind of are on, on the understanding that we're not going to see him here for a while. So um, your thoughts on, on this new, you know, Atlanta pass catching group with w- knowing that we don't have Ridley.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't really think anybody else is going to step up aside from uh, aside from Kyle Pitts and basically Cordell Patterson because Russell Gage um I don't know what he is exactly but I I think he's the, the more we see of him the more, the more it's clear like he needs at the very least one uh kind of like elite level receiver on the field before he can get enough space to to create a viable throwing lane to the quarterback like not even getting targeted with Ridley out last week Ugh, that's that's pretty rough so uh, with that said, like we don't see any, we, I don't think we have any reason to believe that's going to change. Like if if Gage keeps being bad and him and Zacchaeus are just the best that they can put on the field, then I don't think there's really any room to you know negotiate that. It's basically just however far Pitts and Patterson can take the offense is how far it goes. And uh, and like Hayden Hurst, I guess I would sooner bet on than uh, these receivers. Big of you to say. You know, that, that says. Uh, A lot about
1: the state of this current Atlanta Falcons group of pass catchers. And then, um, you know, when you bake it into the context of this game where they're going on the road and they're facing, you know, what what is still a tough New Orleans defense? You know, do you have any concerns about, you know, the guys that you're normally starting, your Mike Davises or your Kyle Pitts?
2: Definitely concerned for Mike Davis, but that was kind of, um, no matter who they're playing kind of thing. Definitely gets worse with the Saints. Their run defense should still be fine. Like it's, I don't think you can really bank on the run defense getting tired from you know bad Trevor Simeon offense because on the other side we have bad uh, not that it Matt not that it's Matt Ryan's fault but you know the Falcons are probably as bad right now as as the Saints are with Simeon so uh, the Falcons defense could get tired just as fast as the Saints one I, I just don't see how the ground go ground game gets going for the Falcons uh, on the other hand a guy like Pitts I I think. Not that he'll be super consistent exactly, but to me, he's matchup proof at this point. I don't care who he's playing. And uh, yeah, Patterson, that's about it. But largely just because Patterson's so busy as a pass catcher, I don't really expect him to run well here.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's been one of the the, the surprises of the fantasy season, of course, and you, you can still roll him out there with some level of confidence. Broncos going down to Dallas to face the Cowboys next the line implies that, that Dak will be good to go here, but obviously with, with the Cowboys checking in as 10-point home favorites against the, the Broncos team that obviously got the win over the, over the football team last week. And, and, you know, the Cowboys were able to pull it off. Um, Sands, Dak a week ago up in Minnesota. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: I don't know what to think of the, the Broncos exactly, and I can't tell what that Von Miller trade means. Like, does that mean – it, sh- it should mean that Fangio's done, right? Like they're just they're saying like this is you know play out the rest of the season, but we are we are not concerned with uh, this phase of our, yeah, our team management. when you let I mean,
1: like the most, you know, the, one of the best defenders in franchise history, you know, you, you're kind of conceding when you say like we're going to send him to the Rams, we're sending him to, to an actual contender. Um, that I think that that says a lot, and it probably doesn't send a particularly good message to that locker room, especially for the rest of the season
2: right so um if if fangio is losing any traction there that's the kind of thing it, it just kind of puts a um, you know a wild card element in play where you don't know what kind of team is going to show up rel- relative to the talent and you know the, the way they might match up it's like sometimes that stuff matters less if the teams get weird uh, with their internal politics or whatever and maybe that's happening there but even if Denver tries their best and are at their sharpest focus wise I think you'd Maybe could reason, yeah, Dallas by ten if Dak is out there, uh, let alone the eight and a half or whatever. So, uh, Dallas' defense looks still pretty good this year. Uh, I mean, they get a lot of credit, obviously, for winning with Cooper Rush in there instead of Dak against against uh, the Vikings. So, if Teddy Bridgewater is going against a good defense, that's when Denver's in a ten point, you know, at risk of, of losing by ten points. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think so as well. So I think that this is a, a very uh, rough spot for, for Denver here. And, and uh, just looking at, at the betting numbers over on Yahoo, uh, checking in as nine, nine and a half point favorites uh, for Dallas and 68 percent of the bets have been, have been put um, on the Cowboys for, for that one. And Cowboys are always kind of overdraw that their side regardless. But even still, um, it's a pretty strong sentiment that, that the Broncos are, are, are in deep trouble here. Um, On the Broncos side, from a fantasy perspective, obviously we saw Jerry Judy get back in the mix last week. Uh, How do you think that he'll be able to do uh, here now that,
2: now that he's got his footing back under him? I think uh, ideally we'd have him running against probably Anthony Brown a lot, but Judy in the slot more so probably faces Jordan Lewis, who um, he's not a bad player, but he's probably tougher, more intimidating to throw at right now than Trevon Diggs. So if, uh, I don't know. I I would imagine at least one of More intimidating? More
1: intimidating than Diggs? I mean, Diggs is
2: getting all the press. Sorry, I meant to say like Diggs is more intimidating, thus like creating like a funnel toward uh, the slot. Sorry. Um, But yeah, I think, um, I don't know, it's hard for me to imagine both of Tim Patrick and uh, Cortland Sutton getting slowed in this game. So maybe it's a good game for Teddy yardage wise, but I, I worry about him kind of getting to like 280 yards and, one touchdown, two interceptions kind of thing, like not closing the deal in the red zone, especially.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that could certainly be an issue. I could definitely see that. We've seen that borne out uh, time and time again. Uh, before we get on to our next game, we are gonna hear a quick word from our sponsors over at Blue Wire.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, keeping it rolling here. We got the Panthers going up against the Patriots. Panthers three and a half point home underdogs. The Patriots obviously kind of maybe had one of the one of the banner wins of last weekend. Although, how many banner wins can you can you rack up against the Chargers before they stop being those banner wins? We'll get to the Chargers here um, in just a bit. But you know, the Patriots go out to to Los Angeles and get the job done there. They they go into Carolina. Now Carolina got off the mat last week, but how much credit can you really give them? in None. So a- against Atlanta. So I know three and a half points for, for an offense. is not particularly explosive. It is not an ideal spot uh, to be get to uh, be laying on the road here, but I still think the Patriots go, go in and, and, and get this done. N- not super comfortably, but I think by more than a field goal.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, last week it, it was an interesting game for the Patriots because they demonstrated a certain level of dangerousness as a team, a certain level of quality as a team. And yet the offense, or at least the passing game didn't really do anything. So it's not normally true that you can beat a team uh, on the road, like the chargers with your passing game, doing nothing. Uh, the win somewhat fluky then to me, but the Panthers can't do anything on offense. They're, they're as bad as anybody on offense. I think like, I guess other than the Jaguars, uh, it's insane how bad they are, and it's in a way where it's like you can't possibly even blame it all on Darnold at this point. Like he he's probably bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. Like I don't know if people appreciate just how hopeless they have been for about a month. Uh, it's in a way like you would. Um, I don't know. It, it's almost it's almost like they have a pedestrian playing quarterback or something. Uh, and and yet um, like like the, the, these receivers, Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall, like h- however bad their, their numbers look right now, it's like, they're not that bad. Uh, and yet I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can really blame it all on Darnold, but so many of it is like drops by Robbie Anderson, a player who's not, you know, normally a star or anything, but not that bad either. And, uh, I, f- I feel like part of it is the, the players are being used wrong. I don't think they have any idea what to do. Like, I don't know if the coaches in charge, Joe Brady, uh, Matt rule. I don't know if they have any ideas. And if, uh, I don't know if at this point they're going to just start doing like desperation stuff, like moving stuff around. I almost think they should like that would be good if they did, because I don't know if they could manage it any worse than they have to this point. But uh, in, in any case, I can't see the Panthers scoring like on anybody, let alone the Patriots. So uh, I got to go with the Patriots, for even, even though, like you said, uh, them being liable to have a goose egg as their own passing game uh, and playing on the road. It, it is a lot of points, but I, I can't pick the Panthers in any scenario, really.
1: You know the Panthers can just kind of crater themselves and, and do a lot of the work to to get that page, get the Patriots uh, that cover. What do you think this says, just kind of in general about about Joe Brady? You know, he's someone who was obviously one of the hottest coaching candidates in football, but uh, either level um, after that twenty nineteen LSU run goes to Carolina, and now this is what the offense looks like, and it's not like this is his first year. So, I mean, is this something where? the Panthers might need to reconsider things and has he has his like kind of stock as um, this offensive genius, the, the next guy up, the next McVay potentially, is that, is that kind of going out the window?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's, he's still young for a coach. He could improve, I guess, but the problem in the meantime is I don't know if we have any reason to believe that he's better than, you know, just like anybody else really. And uh, waiting on a coach to, to develop is is not really something that a, not most teams anyway, have the luxury of doing, like unless you're in a severe, I don't know, maybe Houston could justify that with their, their mm-hmm. you know, rebuild that they got to do, but anybody else will look at it and be like, what do you mean a 33 year old who's never accomplished anything? Like why, how do I what basis? Do we single out this guy for this exceptional treatment? And it gets harder to justify that when you look back at, uh, I know it's been a bad season for Terrace Marshall, but like I was just saying, I, I kind of blame the Panthers for a lot of that. Um, but in addition to him, we had a first overall pick quarterback, two receivers who I think within, I don't know, maybe you could argue right now, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are both top five receivers. And if you don't, uh, you know, two, three years at most, will, will that be the case? Uh, first round running back, uh, probably the best offensive line in college football that year. So all of that being true, it's, it's more so kind of, it would be, it'd be more shocking if he didn't have the results that he did that year. It uh, wasn't yeah, as easy he, to call that. We had to ago.
1: turn the light switch on, basically, because LSU had had struggled with with you know amazing talents previously. He just kind of made it. He just kind of made it possible for those guys to
2: make the most of their. You know, yeah, it would have been in- incredible if, if he managed to make them anything other than as as good as they were. And we couldn't mm-hmm. know two years ago just how good, especially Chase and uh, Jefferson are. Uh, but yeah, Burrow being a first pick. Claude lair, first round running back. It's it's incredible how much talent was on that offense, and uh, you know maybe even Cam Cameron could have had that sort of season with them. Probably not, but maybe,
1: but but maybe. I mean, it, it, again, we, we saw some some bad offenses at, at LSU with, with some really good players uh, for like the previous decade uh, prior to to that one. Have kind of gone back into a shell. But in, enough about that. And then w- one last detail here: uh, would a Christian McCaffrey return here change your mind at all as as far as how Carolina might function and may, may be able to move the ball on on the Patriots he was limited on Wednesday
2: yeah I guess I guess I should have given that more thought because you generally wouldn't let a running back change the calculus of a game that much but part of the background here is Chuba Hubbard is not actually playing very well and you know maybe it doesn't change the the result of the game, but it it does change the nature of the Panthers offense if McCaffrey's out there and uh you know going going from kind of a zero in the backfield to something could could change the equation a little bit It gives Darnold more yardage after the catch production that you can project into the box score so it, it changes something for sure. Uh, I think I'd still have to pick the Patriots, but I, I definitely would get more nervous about the point total at least. Okay. That's the spread fair. rather. That's definitely
1: fair. Um, before we get on to our next game, we got a question from our listener. Trilly, he got offered DJ Moore and Leonard Fournette for Devontae Adams.
2: What would you do? Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> um, I don't think I would do it though. I, I just, I'm so worried about, not, not that I'm worried about DJ Moore being, uh, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, or something like that. But he's been suffering with the rest of the Panthers' offense, so it is very concerning what's going on with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know if we, I don't know if we have reason to assume Rodgers will play again this year, uh, depending on how the the disciplinary aspect of this is handled. But even if it's Jordan Love, I feel so much more confident in Devontae than I do uh, DJ Moore with with this Panthers' offense right now. Yeah,
1: and. I don't know. I, I'm slightly more optimistic, may, maybe, that, that Rodgers is just back next week and that this story gets swept under the rug. That
2: would make it whatever. a slam dunk for me, if, if so. Yeah. If, if Rodgers is out there, I would much rather have Vivante.
1: Yeah, yeah, be, I think so, too. And, uh, yeah, again, I, I'd be just worried about the, the health of this Panthers offense. I, I don't want to get too much more exposure to it uh, midseason now that we've kind of seen its true colors. All right, let's get on over. We got the Ravens playing host to the vikings the vikings of course coming off that disappointing home loss to a backup quarterback the ravens coming off the bye and last time we saw them they were just giving up uh points and yards everywhere you looked against the Bengals, and really have been suffering on defense for a lot this season so we're seeing an over under here at 50 one of the highest totals on the board this weekend is this one that that you're really attacking for dfs
2: i don't know man i I really like Lamar, obviously, and I really hate the Ravens defense the way it's looked this year, with the exception of uh, the Chargers game, I guess. So I I think, um, you know, the, the Vikings have a lot of really, really good players who should be able to kind of threaten them similarly to how the Bengals did. But I don't see specifically the yards after the catch on the field with the Vikings pass catchers. Maybe if the you know a guy like Amir Smith Marset would do a lot after the catch, but Adam Thielen he generally catches the ball, gets tackled not long afterward. Justin Jefferson is, you know, he's elusive, but he's not exactly a Debo Samuel or a Jamar Chase exactly. He's more of almost like another Thielen kind of guy who just kills you with his route running over and over and over. But he doesn't really run over you so much. So I, I don't know if we can bank on the Ravens tackling as poorly on the pass catchers in this game. Uh, like Conklin's not doing Uzoma stuff either. So that, the, it would need to be picked up by Dalvin Cook, I guess, to make us to have a similar result as the Bengals, a similar level of you know threat to the Ravens defense as the Bengals did. And that's where it gets interesting for me, I guess, like I'm, I'm kind of a Dalvin truth or Nash, uh, naturally. And uh, I feel like he hasn't really had the game that he's capable of. And it, it feels inevitable that he have a big game. So I'm really interested in Dalvin Cook. I might be. I don't know. Not less interested than most people in the receivers, but it's possible. Like I might, I might not feel confident enough that both go off to spend up the way I need to to get, uh, you know, uh, the the level of exposure that most people will this week in DFS.
1: Okay, all right, that that definitely makes sense. And yeah, I like Dalvin in this spot. Um, You know, I think a lot of attention from the DFS side will, will be paid to to that Ravens secondary. Um, especially after the way that they were lit up the last time out. I think that that, that might be, you know, something that, that's burned into people's brains a little bit. Um, on, the, on the Ravens' side here, we, we know that Marquise Brown and, and Mark Andrews have, have pretty good matchups here. Do do you see Rashad Bateman? You know, I, I thought that he looked pretty good last time out. Do you think that he continues to to maybe take another step forward? And, you know, with, with the Vikings having to expend a lot of those defensive bandwidth and, and slowing, the Andrews and the Hollywoods of the world that, that Bateman could get loose here.
2: Yeah, he's definitely doing well so far and these Vikings corners are not very good. I almost wonder if the Vikings will try to call, uh, call more um, zone coverages than they normally do both to kind of keep the defensive backs eyes on Lamar Jackson to, to minimize the, the run threat that he poses. And uh, also with the ostensible attempt to, uh, you know, confuse Lamar, uh, with the coverage combos, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effect a guy like Bateman has on those scenarios. Because I think in the past that was one of the more tr- difficult spots for Lamar's. Like they they put five defensive backs on the field, run zones every play. Uh, he can't get the rushing threat going on his own because there's always two or three guys watching him all the time when he breaks the pocket. Um, but having a guy like Bateman, um, and not that I have a specific background uh, or awareness of like his background against zone coverages, but that might be kind of just enough of a change from those past scenarios where Lamar struggled that he does fine now. Like maybe Bateman is uh, enough more ammo uh, to utilize to, to get through it. And if he can, if, if Bateman can kind of just like, or, or cumulatively, however they do it, if the Ravens can kind of just keep the ball moving and not get in too many like third and 12 type things, then especially if, if also if they can get the run going at all, um, I think the Mark Andrews scene threat is how you most consistently break a defense. That's trying to play zone on Lamar underneath. And uh, if, if Bateman does present that kind of thing, I, it's, it's easier to imagine, I guess the shootout. So uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can fit in like a Lamar Bateman, Andrews stack, uh, or Lamar Bateman Brown stack, Dalvin cook, something like that. I know that's not cheap, what I just described, but um, it might make sense to, you know, depending on how the rest of the, the slate shakes out. Yeah, I don't have the, the salaries
1: pulled up right in front of me, but I, I can't imagine that Bateman is too much. So, so that could be. He's not
2: 3400 anymore, whatever he was the last time. Yeah, it has got to be like $54, 48 or something, probably. But yeah, the, 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 the sub 4K days uh, certainly over
1: already uh, when it comes to, to Bateman. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sports book app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at backrat. WinBet is currently available in six states that's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Win- download WinBet now, that's W Y. NNBET, WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also got a message from our friends over at Yahoo DFS. The new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi entry contests now being shark free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark free, Yahoo is giving all listeners the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 in contest entry credit offered to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 and to get started again That's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, Mario, moving on from the Ravens Vikings, we're getting to a AFC North divisional clash. We got the Browns going to Cincinnati, the Battle of Ohio. Uh, to face the Bengals, Bengals two and a half point favorites in this one so obviously not not getting the love uh that, that they were a week ago where they were giving 10 on the road they are going up against a, a browns team that i think is kind of on the cusp of falling apart a little bit i mean th- things are just kind of a mess there and for them to lose to to pittsburgh last week in an ugly game they've got the injuries they obviously have the odell stuff hanging over them it's just I don't, I don't know what to make of this Cleveland team right now. I, I, I have a hard time doing anything but ba- backing the Bengals here, even even coming off the the upset um, to the Jets.
2: Yeah, uh, it's 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 a mess with Cleveland, and I don't know how bad it's going to get, but it seems like it's already pretty bad. And Cincinnati doesn't have anything like that to deal with. Uh, I think even if Cleveland were fully focused and had Odell Beckham, I I wouldn't feel all that concerned about taking. Cincinnati at two and a half. But uh it is interesting that it looks like about 70% of the volume of bets is on the Bengals, and yet the line is not moving. So maybe maybe a few people are gonna lose a bunch of money on the Browns this week. Uh but uh yeah, it looks like they're making bigger bets than the Bengals ones. Yeah, yeah. So
1: so important to point out the, the difference in, in the splits between the, the bets. And the actual handle itself, when when it comes to that, so yeah, seventy percent of the bets being on Cincinnati, uh, that that does create like the the proverbial liability for for a given book, um, but we'll we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, as far as Cincinnati's offense goes, even though the, the defense kind of was, was the main storyline a week ago against the Jets, the offense still I thought looked pretty good. You know, so so what do you think of them going into the matchup against the Cleveland defense that you know? Even, even with all that we've said about Cleveland so far, it's still pretty solid.
0: Yeah,
2: I think T. Higgins especially is a problem for these Cleveland corners. I mean, I guess Greedy Williams could match up against him, but I don't know, that that, that, that sounds like it would be a weird assignment like to have Greedy shadow him. And then uh, Greg Newsom's is playing really well and everything, but a guy like him, a guy like Denzel Ward, they their talents matter less against a player as big as Higgins and Jamar Chase, whoever's running against, we I guess give him the advantage for the time being. So between that and uh, you know Tyler Boyd, I think is still good. It's just you know it's kind of been um, a season where where Chase has stolen the spotlight a bit. But anyway, between the three of them and Dusoma being a, a you know viable checkdown option, I think they've got a plenty of ammo to threaten the Browns. Like I don't I don't think the Browns defense can just weather all of that easily. And uh, I don't obviously better. Uh, even a better defense might not be able to handle the the, the Bengals pass catching combination. So yeah, I, I don't really see a scenario where Burrow struggles so much unless he just kind of inexplicably has an off day. Because even if Miles Garrett's a problem, even if um, even if the pass rush is a problem, however it does, or ha- however it gets to Burrow, he would still or he sh- should still have opportunities to do uh, you know his own damage. And The Cleveland offense, aside from Chubb, I don't know what there is there. Like there's, uh, you you can maybe sell out against the run enough to slow Chubb enough to 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 basically tame the whole Cleveland offense. And Baker Mayfield, you know, he's not he's not a bum quarterback or anything, but he's not that good. And taking the best receiver off the field is not going to help. Uh, I know some Cleveland fans are caught up in you know the target data, uh, like look how much better he is with Rashard Higgins. Yeah, well. I don't know, like I like Higgins and everything, but you're going to make a guy like him a lot worse by taking a guy like Beckham off the field, Jarvis Landry too. So uh, I think, I think the Bengals are are kind of like in a position to really settle in and and just kind of like play their game and and get a win for it. Whereas like Cleveland, it it feels like they need some kind of miracle to me. Yeah,
1: I think so as well. And, and, you know, before we leave this game, do you have any kind of insight or, or not necessarily a prediction, but, but you know, What's your take on this Odell Beckham situation with the Cleveland Brown? When we talk next week,
2: um, I don't think he's going to play for them, but they might just kind of handle him the same way the Texans are, Deshaun Watson, and the way the Eagles did Terrell Owens uh, when he had his whatever it was that led to them getting being done with him. But I can't really see them cutting Beckham because then what if what if he somehow ends up on a team that they have to play? You know, like it's I think they're going to do the the uh, college coach transfer rant about it, you know, like they're just what it's, it's it it is isn't honorable to let him play for another team. So uh, they're going to hold on to him probably, I think. And uh, he's just not going to play. And then the offseason, they'll probably trade him for like a third round pick or something. Yeah.
1: OK, that, that definitely makes sense. And, and yeah, if, if you. Invested in, be- I thought Beckham was going to be an, an awesome, like six round. <laughs> he year.
2: should have been wow, Baker. Wrong. Actually, I take it back. Baker does suck. Baker sucks. If you can't make, if you can't get the ball to Odell Beckham, and if you got to, you know, raise hell behind the scene about it, and like, I know, I know Beckham probably instigated this probably more than than Mayfield did, but like, we know who Baker is. You know, he runs his mouth on that team too, and oh, yeah. and helped escalate the situation. And not that I blame him exactly. I don't. I don't know what he's supposed to do in that position. Um, but uh, he, he, he should be more humble at least because he's, he's not very good and that team is screwed. Yeah, and, you know, that, that's a team that, you know, it's
1: funny. You, you rewind all the way to, to week one and they, they really put a scare into the Chiefs and everyone's like, okay, now now we know the Browns are, are a serious AFC contender. If they can go into Arrowhead and do that, uh, boy, does that look different uh, now as we, as we head into week nine. Uh, before we get to our next game, Got a question from our buddy Truly Epic. He wants to know a replacement this week for Aaron Rodgers for for this week and potentially next, Tua or Derek Carr or Taysom Hill. For me, I think it's kind of a, a layup, Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is, for fantasy purposes, having or is one of the, like the safer um, quarterbacks that you could be rolling out there. He's not going to give you anything on the ground, but you know they're they're still throwing the ball a ton and and they they still have a lot of guys, even with the the outside stories. Uh, being considered. I, I still think the car would be the, my pick from those three.
2: Yeah, I don't, um, I don't strongly disagree, but I, I do think I would go with Tua at least for this week, just because I, I feel those like he's actions. got, yeah, I feel like he's got a certain level of safety that maybe the other options don't, but uh, Taysom Hill in week 10, who would they even be playing? I don't really, I guess it, generally I would prefer Taysom out of that group just because he might run for a bunch of yards. Uh, so I guess I don't care who they're playing in week 10. I would prefer Hill then. And if, if possible, I would prefer Tua this week. But whatever difference there might be between him and Carr, if there is one, is probably not much.
1: Okay. Uh, a bit of a split. So uh y- your pick there, truly epic. Um, again, uh Tua or or Carr, like the likely guys. Um, but you know see what's up with with Tayson as well. Um, let's get on over. Speaking of Derek Carr, uh, we got the Raiders going to New York to face the Giants, Raiders three-point uh, road favorites in this one. The the Giants just play the, these very ugly games. The Raiders, they're they're kind of just a, a strange team in their in their own right as well. You trust them going on the road um, all the way out east. That's that's definitely not an, an easy trip to be making. That you know who knows what the weather is going to look like at the Meadowlands on Sunday. Um, so, your take on this one?
2: I'll take the giants. Uh, Raiders have too many problems and uh, I don't think the giants are the kind of bad where you uh, feel safe when you play them. It's like they're bad. They might do stupid things. You might win by 40 points, but among the teams that you can beat by 40 points, I'm always going to be worried about most worried about the giants somehow beating me just, you know, I guess because of especially Jones being just kind of the wild card that he is. So uh, I, I just think, yeah, between the travel and uh, the issues with the the Raiders, I, I I think there's too much against them.
1: So if Saquon Barkley is back this week, that there's reports that that his uh, test on Wednesday might have been a, a false positive, which I guess would, would theoretically give him a lane towards towards playing this week.
2: Um, if he's out there, are you rolling him? Are you rolling with him? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy who has Saquon on his bench. And if he if he plays like twenty snaps, you need him active. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's
1: the right way to go about it. So good. Good to clear that up. And then you know, we'll unpack this just just a smidge. But you know, how how do you see that this Raiders passing game kind of evolving now, uh, knowing what we what happened
2: this past week? Yeah. So I would guess Zay Jones is going to play more. And uh, I don't know if they have some kind of downfield specialist guy, but more so, you're going to have to reformat the offense to get Brian Edwards going. At um, even though he's not, even though Rugs is obviously a deep threat guy, I think the slack that his absence creates still means you have to get Edwards going more, and you can't get Edwards going more by running him further downfield. So I would almost expect them to lower Edwards' depth of target uh, or the the slack to go almost entirely to Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, so I guess I viewed them equally possible, but I, I think it's those two types of options that they're facing. All right, interested to see how how that ends up shaking out with with the Raiders.
1: Let's go Chargers Eagles. This is one of those games where I think you you just you see the line and you almost feel like it's a trap right right off the bat because the the Chargers are only giving to. In Philadelphia again. I know it's a it's a travel game, west to east, um, but it's it's in the afternoon. It's it's a four o five local time kickoff, so that that helps things at least a little bit in this particular instance. Chargers, obviously not the team that we thought they were at least you know three four weeks ago, but I still get I just can't trust the Eagles. I mean the Eagles, what they did against the Lions last week, I think says more about the Lions than it does about the Eagles. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on the Chargers here.
2: Yeah, I know the, the Chargers have some problems, and you know that I don't know. I guess or maybe Herbert being the the having the hand injury, like maybe that's the basis of all of this. But mm. I don't know, man. I think uh, if if his hand isn't completely busted, then yeah, Chargers. I will I will take to win because I do worry about Jalen Hurts just completely laying an egg here and. It's it's frustrating for his fancy investors because he should have had, a, or he could have anyway, had a big game against the Lions. They just did not need to play offense to win 45 to whenever it was. Uh, they, they didn't need to try, and yet they couldn't stop scoring points. The Chargers defense, it's maybe showing some limitations. Like maybe maybe they need to get more serious about stopping the run. But if you stop the run in this case, I think you completely – take away hurts. Like I, th- I think hurts actually should be in an offense more like the one that Eagles had last week where he throws 20, 25 times and runs 10 to 12 times. And you get a lot of running backs going to kind of just keep the defense playing in heavy personnel and, and limit uh, the amount of coverage resources they can put on the field. And that, that's how you, I think, get a more efficient Jalen hurts. But if they, if they try to do that, like four wide airing it out stuff against the chargers, I, I think Staley's going to get the better of them. Uh, even if even if they're looking somewhat you know stung right now,
1: yeah, that, that's totally fair. Um, what are your thoughts on this Eagles backfield? I've gotten a lot of questions on my you know uh, uh, from people this week. I've seen a lot of discussion about it uh, when it comes to this Eagles backfield. You know, you see Gainwell, someone that everyone was pretty excited to to throw into their lineup against the Lions a week ago, turns in 13 carries for just 27 yards. It just didn't really pan out, so. Um, you know, whether it's him or, or Boston Scott this week, um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on, on how they can perform here against
2: the Chargers? I don't know. Um, I, I think Gainwell could have been productive in that game if he weren't playing in, like, the garbage time, running out the clock part of the game. He almost didn't play. I don't think he played until the fourth quarter. I don't know how he got that many carries. Why, in that.
1: why, did they, why are the Eagles doing this? Like, they, you know, they were doing this with Sanders, too. So I, I don't know why, you know, if, if you're – out there playing fantasy that you have any trust that, that these guys are suddenly going to be the answer because no one's been the answer so far.
2: Right. Um, I I don't know what the deal was, but when you make a guy like Boston Scott, a healthy scratch for the first, what was that eight weeks? um, And then after Gainwell has his biggest game, you put him on the bench for Scott. Like, Like it, the only thing I can imagine is that they were doing that thing where they're like, Hey, Scott had a better week of practice this week. And it's like, your job as a player, uh, a person managing the players is to get the best cumulative version of themselves on the field. And if you're going back and forth on questions like that, and on the basis of who looked best to you at a glance in practice, you're, you're not taking seriously the question of who's actually the best player here in, asking like what would it actually take to get the best version of the team on the field you're sort of you're doing this like vi- this arrogant thing where you're like uh whatever the answer is is probably someplace at in, in, in the reflex of my gut and that's what we'll go with and all of those whatever the scenario or whatever the answer is it it's it all seems like nonsense to me and um at the the best case read like the most charitable read for the eagles is that they uh, you know, realize too late that Boston Scott is good and that, uh, you know, he deserved playing time, in which case, like, oh, and like at least to see you repent for the the first half of the year, not letting him play something. It, it, cumulatively, these things don't add up. So, no, they, no. but they might get Jordan Howard going in this game because the Chargers do that too high stuff and they say, like, run at the middle of the field. And if you're going to run at the middle of the field, it is probably easier to do that, especially if you're talking 10 plus times with Howard, than two 5'8", 200-pound backs. So uh, I have no idea where this is going. I can't, I can't figure it out. Yeah, it is goofy, uh, to
1: say the least, when it comes to this Philadelphia backfield. Uh, before we get on to our last group of games, we got a message from our friends over at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription: First, you visit RotoWire.com/thrive. Then you deposit a $10 minimum and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And then you just play in your first paid contest and you receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So, again, go ahead, visit rotowire.com slash thrive for more details. All right, Mario, a handful of games to get here quick before we sign off. Packers, Chiefs, obviously the line jumped a full six points, maybe even more in some books. Uh, Yesterday with the Aaron Rodgers being out news, Packers going into Kansas City. I still can't trust the char of the Chiefs. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that that Jordan Love is going to go Mike White 2.0 or anything. I am. But, oh yeah. Well, either way, either way, I, I think somebody's got
2: to say that. it. I'll do it. Um, um, all right, there it is. Yeah, we have the <laughs> clip. Yeah, uh, but no, I do actually. I'm probably more optimistic about Jordan Love than most people because most people believe that thing about uh, what was, Tim Boyle is. Who who was it that they had? Uh, and they were saying like, they're saying like Tim Boyle's the backup, not Jordan love. And a lot of people read that as, Oh, Jordan love is worse than the guy who I don't even know it, where that guy is from, but he played at some school that I can't remember. And he still managed to have more interceptions than touchdowns as a passer. And people are like, Oh yeah, that Tim Boyle is better than Jordan love. Uh, that, that, that is not what it was. What it was was that they said Boyle is the kind of guy who we don't mind throwing into a game. If Rogers gets hurt. And if, if Boyle gets destroyed, then next week we give the starting reps to Jordan Love in practice, and then he starts. They don't want to put Love on the field with backup reps uh, because they consider him too like precious to do it, basically. And I know somebody might say, like, oh, well, they're babying him. Like, well, they're not now. He's going to play, and he's getting the reps, and the Boyle thing means nothing other than they wanted to protect Jordan Love. Uh, so he's better than I think most people imagine, and Lafleur is still a guy who – comes up with clever stuff to make his players not like look better than they are in terms of like, you know, smuggling them and making them just, you know, products of the system. That's not what I mean, but he can take a good player and make them great. So he might be able to take a below average quarterback and make him an average one, especially in a, against a defense this bad.
1: I think so as well. Um, I I like the Packers in this spot. I think I would like the Packers, in, in, you know, in the, this type of spot against almost anybody with, with that inflated of a line, but you know, on the other side of it, something's just rotten in Kansas City. Uh, I mean, I was so unimpressed by by the Monday night performance, and you know they've been on a downturn for essentially the the whole season. That they just haven't really gotten it together. I don't know what really changes for that. So, yeah, I think the Packers the Packers could still theoretically go in and win this one outright, even.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what the problem is with the Chiefs. I, I'm inclined to think it's a few things and. One of them is that Pat Mahomes really is holding out too much for the kill shot and defenses are kind of just approaching them with, with uh, the stance of, we are not going to allow the kill shot. We're going to give you basically the hail Mary defense all the time. And you have to figure out a way to to move the ball. And normally you would move the ball in that case by, you know, exploiting that, that Daryl Williams check down, throw a little bit more often. Like if the defense is going to have, Basically, three center fielders all the time. Then, fine. Just stop trying to strike the center field. Try to try to get underneath. And some of it is Mahomes just not taking opportunities. Like he's just probably has something to do with the, the struggles going multiple weeks now, and he's feeling the pressure. Like he's he's right. feeling he's feeling the need to like re- become himself again and, and make these throws that he, he remembers himself making but he hasn't done in a while. And I think it's the reality is you have to just be content. To take what the defense is giving you until the defense decides to approach you differently. It's kind of like the Seahawks last year, really. I mean, it's, it's a, it took longer for us to get at the adjustment crisis point, but defenses have adjusted. The chiefs have to counter adjust. And uh, one way they could have counter adjusted is by having the run game do more, but Daryl Williams is not a viable running back. Derek Gore is not a viable running back. If they need the run game to pick up the slack, they don't have the personnel to do it. So they have to become like a more underneath passing game, or at least start taking underneath shots until they get different looks. And for some reason they just could not, you know, find the discipline in themselves to do it the past few weeks, which is perplexing in a way. Uh, and and maybe they can just, maybe that's all their own fault and they can just snap out of it anytime. And maybe that's how they cover here, but short of that, I don't know what they can do.
1: Yeah, I don't either. And, and, you know, I, I don't think that, um, it, it's helping matters that, that Kelsey has has taken a step back this year as well. I mean, almost matching last season's drop total um, on, like, half the half the amount of targets. Um, just two yards less per target. Uh, you know, I think
2: – Well, he's got, he's got, like, three really bad games and three really good games and, like, two that are kind of, like, in between. And I don't know. I, because he was able to do the good games early in the year and because his struggles are coinciding with the rest of the offense – I think it's at least one of those things like it's not really his fault, you know, That they're, like I don't th- I don't think there's anything he could have done really to change this outcome uh, within, you know, s- some amount of margin. But I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just getting the point too late, but I, I do have faith that Kelsey will get going here. I just uh, we're, we're, we're looking at the possibility of Mahomes throwing for, for what, like 3,800 yards if he doesn't. And I don't know that seems even more impossible to me.
1: OK, I mean, fair.
2: But uh, yeah, but it's I understand really your concerns. They're totally, to totally reasonable. Yeah.
1: OK, fair. All right. I'll, I'll, I will take it. Um, but we're pretty much out of time here. But before we get out, give me your quick thoughts on, on Tennessee and, and this backfield. Is this just going to, to crater the
2: offense? Uh, it's going to have to look a lot different. They're going to have to change yeah. all of the personnel details, everything. Uh, I like Jeremy McNichols. I'm glad he's getting a shot. Uh, he's quietly been really good this year as a pass catcher, and he, he was a really good workhorse running back at Boise. So uh, I'm optimistic for him. But there's a ton of slack either way. He's, he's you know he's like 50 pounds lighter than Henry.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a very different look there in Tennessee. Let's wrap things up for this edition of the Rotowire NFL podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. From Rafa I'm John McKegney. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.
2: Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis,
0: and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.